Pedals from an unstable family of alkaline metals Hitting prime time like Channel 5 specials And I never handle rocks like Palestine rebels with pebbles The antics and antiquities and Mr. Steve's Always got a trick up my sleeve Miss please, ancient magic of witchcraft Skip class and I barely just passed A young guy trying to switch pads He trying to get bent like light with his glass Bong smoke got me blazed as hell Burning weight like them 47 J's I scale you you can tell by the amazing smell And my eyes stay tight like I'm Asian Wow My man Dirty had the booty just to put me in the right mind Yeah You are here I'm so Uh Hip-hop will never die as long as we got real shows like this holding us down Yeah so Yeah What up, yep. Darmin? Darmin? FM New York. Where do the ideas come from? I plagiarized them from other more talented people. You know, isn't this uh, not the right thing to do? Because it might not you be sued? Yes, if you're caught, it goes badly. Do you plagiarize good ideas or bad ideas? Best I can find. Best I can find. Now, here comes the music. And now. Directly from the planet of Brook, Peter Oasis. 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 for the easy twos. Balmain bike suit with no bike. The Royce got no roof. Feel like I've been selling dope my whole life. Celine on my team. APC Kanye sagging in my dreams. Ran trains on fair wing. Pray for Paris, then you pray for me. Madonna's on the mock next. Wave the max out the drop pad Sporting DM in the BMs Even the blind man ain't trying to see the feds So now these on half zip Sharks on the Givagees who wanna swim Goggle with bad lab, beware Style so dope, Versace brains on the stairs Elegance, Pyrex for measurements Iceberg history, your misery, you're missing the concepts Android home in your home with the work Just on bulls, over mints on the shirt Before I starve, hit up chows with the mob Breaking bricks, enjoy rich, we rich Shootouts and belly left his brains on the suede joints Yo, Lord, I think I'm gonna go for the hit Waving, woo Listen, man I'm just, I'm just zoning Nickel City Blend SC Gang the most luxurious man, West Side Gun. Hitler wears her mask, man, one and two. Shit out, you know. My man, Agent No Man, Derringer on the track. My brother's second son. He the Oasis, 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 Oasis. Oasis, Oasis, Oasis. <laughs> yeah. What up? Get off the track. Whoa, 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 nigga. Look. What up, like? What up? What up, Quack? What up? What up, Trey? What up, Pan? What up, Stan? What up, Dro? What up, Punk? What up? <laughs> Cocaine, what's up? Come on, face, let me tell you how my night went. Look, good to 
See, I'm trying to dive in. No license, I still be driving. I heard about them in diapers. Up the coppers, I still be riding. I pull up, yo bitch, she hopping. I play my music, we bopping. She pull my zipper, start topping. I asked her her favorite topic. She said, party in and shopping in. Going hard with my, I ride for my, I die for my. Wait, wait, that's quite ironic. I'm quite offended. She ain't no rookie. No pot, no molly, but still get molly. The pop up so we come on with the freak. Yeah, I love my work hoes. I hate my weekend, bitch. Man, she smoke on my weed. She start the gigging. Yeah, Laughing, talking about you. Know your hair look like the weed. Yeah, shit. Shut up, eat it. Yeah, I'm with my brother Nick. We trying to make a flip. And my bitch a dime, but if she a six, I'm still gonna hit. You actually about that body, I'm gonna bleed a fifth. Like I just want cheddar. I went low one time. Look, I ain't no better. Damn. Fuck all y'all niggas, me Trey Pizzy and cocaine Just tryna eat this shit Y'all be charging for them features like we need y'all this shit What nigga, I been on the roller since the beat was hit Y'all track kettle with Sony poppin' when we eat this shit Get a cornball, I can get it your broad I never hit a raw dog, she fuck with me Cause she know I'm in the mix But I'm rollin' the snorter on the corner broke Tryna get a fix, my brother keep me with me Riding low, he tryna catch the lick I met this runaway chick up on her front porch Grabbed her by her hand, I told her one day we gon' run off Now I ain't got no font, so for now we roll these blunts raw She ain't got no job, she tell her boss she'll take the month off On the top of the building, we hit the weed Express all our feelings, I'm in her ear Trying to tell her my dealings I tell her anything under the stars to get her clothes to come off If she don't jump off, I tell her jump off Jump off Tell me what you say, let me speak my piece Middle fingers to these pigs, ain't no swine on my team I'm cool, call me collective, but they only season the pigs Just be so shy, my belly girl, seven to get what I eat Going ham and bananas, food for thought when I speak Dying inside the abyss, sometimes got lost in my dreams Alright now, picture me rolling, now my jewelry is golden So a young nigga focus, good bitch feature and molded It's the same old, same old, it's a new day, new goals now Money, new vibes, I'll see new shit for sure now Four shows back to back like a Drake did some more So, grinding like a mom Look off Tony Hawkins, K-Shape, need an apple bomb You gotta put me on, I'm the bomb Swan time, Super Saiyan, Dapper Don in the morning that I carry with me for such occasions and bring it down swiftly on the head of the person who asks. Dark. 
Yo, 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 New York City, what up? The name is Peter Oasis. You are listening to the one and only NW3 Radio, best known as NW3 Radio, or now Where Worry. What you are listening to is one of the final three broadcasts on 89.1 FM, WNYU. We've had a great run here, but Dharmic and I are about to jump in to... Uh, to something new, and it's very interesting. Dharmic couldn't make it this evening, and he's out there in the streets uh, at some type of a concert in Brooklyn. So if you see Dharmic out there, definitely give him a pound. Uh, we're going to open up the phones later. You know the number here if you don't. Two, one, two, nine, nine, eight, one, eight, one, eight. Now, in the absence of young Dharmic. She blew me. Darmic blew him. <laughs> yeah, I brought along some friends, and I want them to introduce themselves, and I want the, the man in the corner to start first. He, he's no stranger to New York radio or, or broadcasting or, or the media in general. Young man. Internets. Internets. What's going on? It's your boy, Dallas Penn, a.k.a. Young Old, a.k.a. Fatboy Slim, a.k.a. Your favorite former blogger. Yeah, so you have Dallas Penn, most famous for being internet famous, most famous to me for being uh, the uh, a representer of, of a culture that I come from, and that's a Brooklyn culture, New York culture. Dallas, well known for having one of the nastiest sneaker collections and being the voice of a, a generation of uh, sneaker folks. Sure, sure. Uh, shout out to Queens, too. Shout out to Corona, Queens. That's where I was raised. A lot of people confuse me with a Brooklyn cat because my style is very, very uh, definitely influenced uh, from Brooklyn. But, man, shouts to Harlem swag. That, that's what that's what my North Face and Tim's come from. Shouts to Bronx swag. That's where my drug habits come from. <laughs> you know, shouts to Staten Island. That's why I love white women. Um, you know, just shouts to every borough. So yeah, grow, grow, in Queens, I, I guess you came up with uh, the great rappers, Cool uh, G Rap and uh, the Beat Nuts. Sure, sure, sure. You, you, I would love for someone to to chart, take a map of New York City, and and chart um, how many ill lyricists come from Queens and Nassau County, and early parts of Suffolk County, and whatever the Croton Aqueduct was feeding people in the seventies and eighties. It produced these incredible wordsmiths, these incredible um, song builders, you know. So definitely there was something there was it was extra fluoridated water. It was something in that water. I unfortunately can't rap, though. No, I could. I did not. That talent didn't come to me through the water. But uh, I definitely got other, you know, other things came over me. Did, do you go back to, to before I introduce our other guests? Do you go back to Queens at all? All the time. Do you go back to Corona? Different, all, way different Corona, I could imagine, than it was when you were coming up there. Definitely different when, from when I was coming up. But um, even uh, Corona changed during uh, my mom's lifetime. Well, she was raised in Corona. She was she was uh, born and raised to her parents in Corona. So it, it went from. I mean, it's. The that part of Queens is highly transition, highly transitional for its population. It went from uh, it went from having Italians and Irish folks, uh, black folks came in and, and kind of chased the, those folks out to Long Island, and uh, then the the uh, what was crazy to me was all the, all my life the 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 Latin people that I grew up with who I thought were Puerto Rican who were repping Puerto Rico. 
as soon as Lionel became president of DR, they became Dominican. And I'm like, yo, Andres, man, I, I thought you was Puerto Rican. No, man, I'm Dominican. <laughs> I'm like, yo, all my life you were Puerto Rican. No, man, I'm Dominican. And as soon as like the Dominican Republic came up and, and, and it didn't get the disrespect that it used to get, I guess, as being the sister country to Haiti, as soon as they kind of got established as being official, Dominican folks started like, yo, they, they shed that Puerto Rican mask they were wearing. All right. So, so are, are you Hispanic? No, I'm not. I'm I'm black. I'm black Tino. Black Tino. I'm Hebrew black Tino. Okay. I I, I uh, consider myself a Jew. I consider myself part of the diaspora of Africans who came to the New World, touched down in Hispaniola or whatever, then came to America. I don't give a listen. Enough about me. So so close to cussing. Yes. As we know, you can't curse up here. <laughs> to the left, to my left of Dallas Penn, is a, a, a guy who I met through music um, about a year ago. Uh, there was a show that uh, Action Bronson and uh, Justin were doing Party Supplies. Yeah. Out, uh, it was part of uh, some Sonos-sponsored thing. And we had to put together a band. So the good folks over at Fool's Gold, while they were recommending people and putting the band together, they said, we need a DJ. And I said, yes, 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 yes. And we're going to talk about this later because I feel like DJs have kind of been like forced out of a lot of stuff and a lot of opportunities for DJs that existed then don't exist now. But there are way more opportunities no matter how you play it. Your name is? DJ Shifty. I also can't rap. You can't rap. Also from New York? Also from New York. Brooklyn? No, uh, Manhattan and then Westchester. Nice. In, in Scarsdale. See that? So we, we yes. have New York in the house. Yes. I've always wanted to say in the house, and I've never said it before. You've never said that? No. I never said in the house. Definitely never said in the building. Mm -hmm. That's scary. When, when you hear people say, yo, we're in the building. Like, what building, like, bro? And like, what, what room in the building? Exactly. Are you in the basement? In the boiler room? And our loyal listeners know that we are in the basement of um, the dorm where Russell Simmons and Rick Rubin came up with the uh raped. def jam idea oh okay I thought, no i thought you're you gonna say they raped <laughs> no <laughs> hopefully not 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 that i know of okay no All bill right. cosby that's that's the that's the part of their history that that we don't get to hear and i'm sad for that i, I want these guys to be really whole and and tell us about the co as they finger banged i mean you want whole Hmm. I mean, I you know, I think when you're in, in in their position, I think you control enough that you know your your grime doesn't come out. But although although Russell Simmons has been very honest throughout his career about Absolutely. about his his life, partying, sure, sure, and drugs, sure, sure, and, uh, womanizing. I feel like I feel like uh, Debbie Mazar got finger banged by Russell Simmons, <laughs> and I still love her too. I love her even more. She she's uh what what's her connection to rap? She was on uh, Graffiti Rock. Was she on Graffiti Rock? She, okay. she was a dancer on Graffiti damn, Rock. Damn, damn. I know that much. Love Debbie Mazar. What about you, Shifty man? Are you a Debbie Mazar fan? Do you even know who she is? I don't know who she is. How yeah. how would you summarize Debbie Mazar? I would say she's she's outer borough downtown cool. Downtown is cool, not really for the people who live downtown. But from the people who travel from the outer boroughs, from even other states like Jersey, Jersey City, 
who come down here and bring their energy and bring their optimism and and their drugs but bring them bring themselves to be part of what they think is downtown culture but the truth is downtown culture is just an, an amalgamation of people from all over the place maybe a couple of people from downtown a few people from downtown okay but but claiming downtown today in 2000 and was it 15 i yes, guess yes. it's not the same as claiming it say in the 90s when when yeah, when I first hung out downtown, like it was a badge of honor. Like I would come all the way on the A train from where I lived, and I'd come downtown, and it was like, yeah, I'm going downtown. Now I could imagine for anyone, if you want to like find that cool, or you want to find that grimy, and that, you go to Brooklyn, you go to Bushwick, or wherever kids are hanging. I I I walk around down here. I don't feel like I'm walking amongst like the uh, artistic class or, you know, it's not the same. It's certainly been homogenized, but I I feel like Union Square has a little bit of that flavor that used to be right outside of NYU. That used to be in the Washington Square Park area, and I I think still if you live in the Bronx or you live on the in the edge of Queens, almost Nassau, like Rosedale making your way downtown the people that that you go up around your neighbor they say man you're going downtown and it's like you're going to another country you're going to another land so when you go back home you're still kind of like this curio or an oddity to the people in the hood that don't leave the hood that just that just stick around there so i i think downtown still has an attraction maybe not this location but union square gets it popping and and there's still a whole bunch of people I see I see sitting around in the park, young young degenerates from wherever they came, sitting in that park all all types of day, all types of night. Washington Square Park was really important. I know at least in in, in the '90s it was huge. I mean, Washington Square Park is where uh, Tyson Beckford was discovered. You know, just hanging out. Mm-hmm. I was discovered, believe it or not, by a talent scout and then ended up in a few Nana Cherry videos and on TV <laughs> and, and dancing and whatnot. Like, you hung out in the park. Yes. One of, one of the best scenes in the, in the kids' movie is uh, what, when they're in the park and they, they beat the guy with a skateboard. <laughs> Do you remember that? I, I watched kids the kids' movie only once, but I feel like when that kids' movie dropped, I was probably doing that. I was probably doing everything they were doing in the movie. So it was kind of like, oh, yeah, this is what we do. So it, it, it's, yeah, it, people are reminding me about, oh, man, you know, how important was the N.W.A. album? And I'm like, when, when the N.W.A. album dropped, man, listen, we were we were running around the street knocking people out, uh, knocking people out for ski jackets or whatever. So it's like, you know, it, it <sighs> gangster rap it was a was a fantasy to people who lived in the suburbs, but it was a reality to people who lived in the center city. So so my recollection is is I don't have the fantasy of of, you know, angry black dudes, you know, very imposing because, uh, you know, those were my friends and they weren't really angry. No, no, they were just, you know, they were just shifty. <laughs> well, down, down gritty. Yes. And grimy. grimy. Yes, they were. Yes, they were. I mean, you, have you seen Sasha's film? I did see Sasha's film. What do you think about it? I liked it. Yeah, I liked it. We're talking about um, now, fresh uh, dress, fresh dress, fresh dress, I which, like which I haven't seen. But from what I understand and what I see on social media, Sasha did a great job of bringing so many different people into the mix in the film. I know that, um, you know, the, obviously all the low lives were, were involved. Well, not all of them. No, no. I mean, but I mean, you had Thurston Howell, who was the 
he's the central figure for the lowlifes, and certainly, you know, he's he's put it on his back and carried that weight. You're uh, a lowlife? No, I'm not. No? No, I'm not. I have a lot of polo clothing, but I'm a little older. I'm a couple years older, and, and I've told people that I'm, uh, my my youth collective, Decepticon, is very critical to the formation of lowlife. Lowlife was formed from a bunch of boosting crews who who came together because the problem was they were they were it wasn't it wasn't difficult boosting clothing. That's easy to do. What's difficult is going home and keeping it. Is going home to to the projects of Brownsville or East New York or Crown Heights or Flatbush or bedside and keeping that and retaining that because again like I said the provincial people who didn't come downtown who didn't venture to the city they stayed on the block they stayed on the block rubbing their hands together waiting for somebody to come off that subway that they could beat over the head waiting for someone who just got finished on their Macy's mission 34th street with with, with bags in hand with a whole bunch of pieces in hand and 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 those people would look like food to them so so these separate boosting crews basically formed a unified collective. And this is this is important because um, with Decepticon, you had uh, kids from all over the city. I had kids from the Bronx, me from Queens, me and my group from Queens, uh, kids from all over Brooklyn. And, and rarely, except when you talk about Zulu Nation, which was in the mid-late 70s, a little bit of the early 80s, did you have a, a youth collective that had people coming from different neighborhoods. People basically stayed in their same neighborhood and, and formed a collective for their neighborhood because you were defending your turf and you were basically with the people you grew up with. So for a group to be from different boroughs, even different neighbors in the same borough was rare because, but it was great because it helped form alliances through those neighborhoods and through those boroughs. Well, where do these kids meet? And also, where where does graffiti and graph play a part in it? Because I, I know my my first experience meeting city people or meeting kids from other boroughs happened on the corner of West 3rd Street when I would leave high school and all the RFC cats. And you know, that's my generation. They'd be on the corner and they'd be trading their clothes. And I, I was always embarrassed to pull up because, I one, I didn't boost clothes. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have money at all to, to, to buy the clothes. So I, I was kind of on some, like, I would go to Eddie Bauer and I would find, you know, stuff that kind of looked like polo, but it wasn't. You know, and deep down inside, I felt a bit of shame, but I also <laughs> felt like I felt like, you know what, I'm, I'm doing my own thing because I'm, I'm at the Eddie Bauer store and then I'm walking down the, the block and I'm going to unique. You, 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 know, ever, you ever see somebody get stripped uh, for for polo for anything, for anything fresh? Nah, I, I've seen myself get got for a baseball cap at the uh, Sufton uh, Boulevard station. What, was it a fitted cap? It was. Was a, it a special baseball cap? Nah, it was a snapback. It was a probably a starter cap. Okay. And, you know, some some guys that struck up a conversation with me and my friend, and we had basically cut school. We were riding the trains back and forth, and we were on the J train. And we thought these guys are all cool. They were talking to us. We were happy that anybody was talking to us. As the door opened, they get off the train, they stick their hands in, they grab our baseball caps, and they, the door closes. And the you know, joke's on me. I'm watching these guys walk away with my hat. Mm-hmm. You know, my hair's all messy. You still, had the, you still had the tag on your head, too? You still had the tag dangling on your head? I could have. Okay. I could have. But okay. it, it was embarrassing. Sure. To say sure. the least. 
Well, well, I mean, but that was a, the uh, anything I that was all I had basically that was of of any value. I mean, like I would have a Benetton bag, but people weren't stealing Benetton bags. Probably not. Probably not at that time. I mean, Benetton was a hot, hot item. Benetton was hot to me before Polo was. Benetton, Benetton was hot and fashionable. And, and now, what what year are we, are we talking Benetton and, and Gap? When when that those were the the go to brands. I mean, if you had, yeah, you had Gap then, ties, then you're talking about eighty five. You're talking 85. about if you're talking about Benetton, you're talking about eighty five. Gap had a small window in my life. Not really though. Not really because I I kind of man, as soon as I as soon as I got my first kiss inside Brooklyn Technical High School, I I got I got really about what was hot. Hot, hot on the Fresh Kids. And what was hot on the Fresh Kids was Benetton. Uh, Coca-Cola had a nice little window. And Polo. And, and that, was, that, was all I, that was all I wanted. That was all I wanted to wear because um, chicks like that. What so. were you rocking on your feet? Very important. Um, I probably I rocked all kinds of kicks back then. I mean, I had Etonic, uh, Spot Built. Um, I had I had a bunch of off brands. I ended up catching one of the hardest pair of sneakers ever of all time from a little shop in Corona, a, a men's shop, like one of those men's shops that would sell gaiters and, and, and like you know high end black men's clothing is like you know something with an alligator or a snake on it. And I had a guest jean suit that I had got out of uh, I want to say Canal Jeans Company. I got it, I got it from somewhere pretty cheap. Discounted, but I got these Bally tennis shoes, Bally competition tennis shoe, and it was a D boy shoe. And all the kids, and, and I should say all the kids, only only a couple kids rock these shoes. And you seen the kid at Union Square or Latin Quarters rocking this shoe, and he was a hustler, he was a, a pusher. And I swear to God, when I wore those shoes, nobody effed with me. I could wear those shoes to Latin Quarter, nobody would mess with me. Because they thought you were a D-boy? I think they thought I was a D-boy's brother. I don't think they thought. I, I was still young. I'm, I'm 15, 16 years old. So I don't think they was like, yeah, yeah. They knew you had some type of juice. They figured I had some type of juice or, or don't F with him because when his big brother comes here, he's going to shoot us. Well, how expensive were they that, that people would think that someone who was d dealing in drugs would... I got them on sale at this men's shop and they were still $100. Which is a lot of money. That was a lot, a lot of money in 1985. That was like the uh, the Gucci trainer was more expensive, um, but the first retail for that Bally shoe was probably 150, and these ones were were on sale. It was like the last pair there or whatever. But 100 dollars was a lot of money. That was a lot of bread. So I was like, whoa. So you walked out the store with mad props. I walked out the store wherever like, you walked with those sneakers, just mad pop. I walked out the store like just straight beaming, and I didn't wear them that often. I only wore them when I went out. I wore them when I went to, to Union Square, which was at Union Square, and uh, Latin Quarter, which was at Times Square. So I wore them when I went out to party and 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 whenever I was just like super super fresh dip. So so as you're there, and I've I always ask people who are a bit older than I am, did you know how special that time was? When, when these clubs were rocking, when when radio, where radio DJs and rap rap radio was, was 
it was like the main you know way to find out outside of the mixtape find out about clubs I, I know that i go back and i downloaded a bunch of uh rap commercials that i found a torrent a, a while ago and i sit and listen to these commercials and you know they're advertisements for for the clubs that you went to and i could imagine being a kid listening to a a radio show and hearing a commercial for you know the the show at Union Square this week with you know whoever played a uh, you know UTFO and and you're just like damn like I had to be there were, were you listening to this and you're like I had to be there well I'm I'm trying to remember the name of the WNYU DJ first name was Chris um, and I can't remember dude's last name but that was my first experience with college radio and that from from WNYU. I got turned into turned onto Hofstra's radio, and I could catch that signal from where I lived at in Queens, and th that opened me up to Public Enemy. That opened me up to things that weren't even being played on on terrestrial radio, which was uh, at the the time Kiss FM. It was Kiss FM and BLS that were that were the only stations that were playing rap. And they were only playing rap for like on, a couple hours on Fridays and Saturdays. On Friday and Saturday night, that was it. Friday night at nine from nine o'clock to midnight, that was on Kiss FM was DJ Red Alert. From nine o'clock to midnight was Mr. Magic on on BLS, and that was Friday and Saturday nights. Then you had you had uh, Teddy Ted, um, you had the Awesome Two on Thursday nights, but I mean th there was so you didn't have any any hip hop radio. But the things you got on college radio was mind blowing because that I would hear the, these I would hear PE long before I heard them on terrestrial radio, on commercial radio. And I can't remember the name of this this DJ from the 80s here at WNYU, Chris something. Chris, wherever you at, man, yo, peace. Was it P-Fine? Nah. Nah. I nah. feel like it was Chris, I want to say Chris Chelios, but now, now I'm spazzing because that dude played hockey, uh, played ho hockey, played hockey for the Blackhawks. Chris Chelios, whatever his name was, his name was Chris something. But he was he was dope and he was playing... Um, he was playing P. He was, he was just playing a lot of fly-ish, a lot of Def Jam stuff. I mean, Def Jam is the label. Def Jam was a label back then. So let's circle back. What? Let's let's go bring this to today. What? What's the modern day equivalent of of that DJ that was playing late night on college radio, playing you know songs that you don't hear? Two dope boys. Not right. Rinse FM. Mm. Mm. I, I mean, blogs. Blogs became. You know, blogs became your college radio station. You know, for for just opening you up to to you know regional music that you probably wouldn't hear, um, and, and things you wouldn't hear. That's yeah. all right. NYU eighty nine point one FM. Uh, you may be listening to us on WNYU org, or you could be listening to us on the TuneIn app, the Stitcher app. Be sure to go back and find our great episodes on SoundCloud. I have Dallas Penn, the internet celebrity. Most famous now at this moment yes. for a great show that we're going to talk about later. Okay. The Food Warriors series. Okay. Yes. Were you and Rafi? Yes, me, Rafi, and Kaz Casimir. You don't see Casimir because is, of, is he the video guy? Yes, he's the he's the director. He's the director of Rafi and I. And then to to the left, DJ Shifty. Shifty, the importance of a DJ. I I I have always been the biggest DJ groupie. 
I always knew, especially back when I was younger, when I was promoting parties, I knew that you had to have the best relationship with the best DJ for anyone to come to your party. So, like, I befriended, like, Stretch Armstrong early in the game. I became his best buddy. I befriended DJ Eclipse, Rock Raider, all these guys. And I know you come from the, the turntable scene, and you make quite a name for yourself. Uh, the importance of the DJ today, in, in your opinion... Well, I think it's uh, like you guys were talking about where the right DJ can be that source for where you find out about all the new music. And so I, I for one, my way of finding out about new music is just following particular DJs, whether they post playlists or whether they have mixes on SoundCloud. It might not be radio that's the spot where it happens, but... Uh, I st especially with so mu so much music, so many blogs, uh, all the oversaturation, it's really like particular DJs who I think make make the taste as far as what is what is new music. Um, and from the turntablist side of things, uh, the the turntablist can uh, can always interact with sound in a different way and sort of create live remixes on the on the fly and make things go together and relate relate different tracks together in ways that you know maybe you never thought could be done before yeah i mean I, turntables to me i think are the, are the most interesting visually to djs i mean you know to watch like I, I remember just being young and watching you know routines where the dj is like picking up the turntable like above his head and you're just like, whoa, how's it do that? You know, or DJs always to me, I've always befriended. I've, I was part of um, this um, competition. It's called the International Turntablist uh, Federation. Me and ITF. Um, yeah, yeah, ITF. yeah sure, with Alex Aquino. Me, Alex. And I, I did it back in the day when I was like 15. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the the early events, it was mm -hmm. me, uh, Joe from Fat Beats, and Alex Aquino. And uh, the biggest event we did was the first one. It was at Twilight. It was when the X-Men battled. Uh, oh, ISP. Yeah. Yeah, I had that, I have that on VHS. Or the Rocksteady DJs. They were ISP were at they? that time. Yeah, in 96. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you remember, did you play any of those events back then? Not then. I mean, I didn't start uh, DJing at all until. You would have been two years old back then. No. Oh. <laughs> I've been 10 years old. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, I got all the old tapes. I started DJing in 2000, but I went and basically got like every single tape that was ever made of DJ battles that I could find. Who were some of your, your influences? Uh, I mean, the X-Men um, and the crew I, I came up with, uh, it actually, funny enough, went by the Low Lives crew. And one of them is Precision from uh, Corona, mm. um, who's part of the X-Men now. And so my, my crew was uh, Precision, uh, Boogie Blind, who was also... Uh, part of the X-Men and uh, Cut Fucius. And so they, they kind of took me under their wing uh, from when I was a young, you know, like 14, 15. I'd come in and go to Corona or Fresh Meadows every single weekend um, to, to practice with them. Um, so those guys, but then especially for me, really like uh, the 2000s era allies. Uh, so Craze and A-Track and th those two in particular are really doing sort of like the most next level routines, I think. A track, by far, one of the most uh, you know, accomplished DJs that come from the battle scene, you know, on, on a bigger scale. I always felt, and um, I always felt that a lot of battle DJs couldn't rock a party. Mm. You know, especially people who practice their routines all day. Like you would put them in front of crowds. Rock Raider, may he rest in peace. Who, to me, was like one of the first. 
people who ever let me work with him. Like I begged him. I ran down the street and I said, Raider, man, I'm, I'm doing this party. You got a DJ. And I befriended him way early. And But you know what? He When we put him in, in front of a club, Club Vinyl or whatnot, and we put him in to DJ the, the club night, you know, his name would bring people in, but I, I, he never really gelled. Mm -hmm. Like his, his sets were great, but it just didn't really, you know, get the attention of the crowd the way I thought it would. Mm -hmm. uh, there are great DJs who are battle DJs who I know, uh, DJ Riz, DJ Riz used to go into home base and he used to spin a nasty set and, and rock it. And then in the middle of a set, just break into a routine where he's just going back and forth, back and forth. People, people loved it. But I always thought that a lot of um, you know battle DJs couldn't couldn't rock a party. Maybe it's changed now. I, th I think it's changed, or it's sort of like an evolution um, where, like, to get good at being a turntablist, you just have to be like locked in a room for five or ten years and just practice your scratches. And so maybe you're not as in touch with like the you know the music that's coming out. But uh, I think turntablists make great DJs as soon as they start paying attention to music, uh, just because. They can do things with the sound that other DJs can't do. Mm -hmm. And I think you have plenty of examples of DJs who are great, part, like Craze is a great party DJ, Boogie Blind is a great uh, party DJ, and a lot of, I mean, a lot of the big EDM guys right now used to be battle DJs. Hudson Mohawk was a battle DJ, Cashmere Cat was a battle DJ. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I like. I think that there's sort of like a bad rap for turntablists, um, where maybe like a turntablist will show up at the club and just like scratch ah for an hour, uh, and that that doesn't work. But as long as it's someone who like knows what a party is meant to be about, I think they can do like. To me, my favorite DJs, party DJs, are turntablists because, I mean, otherwise for me personally as a fan, I get a little bored otherwise. Mm -hmm. Mm. And, and as a DJ shifty, are you are you booked mostly to do, do routines, or are you doing club nights? Are you? It's a mix, but I'm doing more uh, club nights, more like electronic nights. Um, so I, I I stay very you know pretty up on like new electronic music. Um, and so I mean, th there's a there are very, especially nowadays, uh, there's one DMC. There are two DMC battles in New York every year maybe each country has one or two dmc battles there's dmc and there's red bull but there really aren't too many battles so you can't really like make a career off doing showcases so for me it's like more club gigs more party gigs dallas yeah house music played such a big part mm -hmm. in in us coming up in the clubs mm -hmm. and it's hard to explain to kids now that every club had a house room sure and the house room is really important as important as the hip-hop room usually the house rooms at the club were bigger than well, the hip-hop rooms well i mean the house rooms were where you met the girls more than more than likely i mean when, when you when you were in a space like mars or you you were we were we went into those bigger clubs first of all first of all hip-hop went through a difficult time in the late 80s first union square closed um and then a year later the latin quarters closed so, was that because I had a bad rap? Because of fights and whatnot? Pretty much shootings. Pretty, pretty much, pretty much. But I just, I just think it was, it was difficult for the owner to to keep making money um, when your when your constituency is basically teenagers uh, who you can't sell alcohol to, and um, you know, and then and then police are outside. I, I, I think they were they were it, it was the beginnings of the New York that we see today. 
where people are like, nah, these these kids are making too much noise. There's too much commotion going on after the, you know, this place lets out. So hip hop has to go underground. Hip hop goes underground and, and we have these underground parties, these loft parties that take place up and down Broadway in like loft spaces that will get shut down pretty much, uh, you know, after a few hours. And the house clubs, if you had a membership, there was a spot on 33rd Street and the garage closed. The garage closed in 1988 and I did get to go to the garage. Garage was crazy. But I went to this space called Love Light and you had to have a membership card. And you got a membership card from a record shop that was on Great Jones Alley right around here. So you, you got your little membership card printed with your face on it. And now you, as a member, that's the only way you could be allowed into Love Light. So you could bring a guest with you, you know, but be, being a member, you got to pay your membership fee, 10 bucks. And the first thing you notice when you went into the, um, when you enter the club, you go through the past kind of like in you know, the security area and you, and you go into the club, is this sweet smell of cocaine inside a menthol cigarette. And it's, it's just a very provocative kind of uh, synthetic yet, uh, you know, abnormally sweet smell. It's crazy. But then, then you hear that house music, then you hear that bass thumping and you go and, and it's filled with chicks and, and they're approachable and they, and you dance with them and you jack your body on them. So, so house was, house was doing what hip hop wasn't allowing us to do anymore, which was convene, socialize, dance. Hip hop, you just didn't have in New York city. You didn't have a space to do it. It really went underground. I mean, you know, that you had some spots in Brooklyn that, that would be open on the weekend, you know, once or twice and then be closed for six months. Someone got shot out outside the joint. You know, we had, we had a few spots in Queens. Uh, you had Lamore East. You had, um, what was that spot right off Merrick now? I forget the name. I remember a spot off of Queens Boulevard called Pallets. It's next to the Queens Center Mall. This is like early 90s. Pallets, that, didn't Pallets become Lamore East? I may have. Yeah. And eventually it became a, a strip club. Yeah, on, a gentleman's club. On Queens Boulevard. Yes. 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 Yeah, I mean, hip-hop spots could not survive in the city. For for a good number of years, so the only club scene was house music. Yeah, I, I always thought house music was way more exciting because I, I think, in the time I came up, I I like the fact that you went to a rap club and you heard new rap records that they weren't playing anywhere else on the radio. So that was great. But I always thought house DJs technically, the greatest house DJs, and I would watch them. You know, guys like Little Louis Vega and and David Morales, and yeah, they'd play with four turntables at a time, and they'd have four records going, and they'd be blending four records, and you would just sit and you watch that, and the turntables would be up. They used to be up on rubber bands in the booth, and you're just like, dang! Like technically, it was crazy, and they were doing this live. This was way before. You know, well, I guess today, Shifty, what do, what do people usually use? Ableton Live? And there are just so many ways to cheat. <laughs> or just to do, yeah, to, to replicate four decks. Uh, I mean, there are, yeah, there are a lot of ways to do different things with all kinds of technology. You can, so, I mean, Tractor, Serato, Ableton, all those things. Do people use that live? Yeah, people use it live. And, I mean, you can use it in a way to do way more than you ever could with, with four turntables. Um 
yeah, like I, I'll have like samples on samples on top of two turntables. Um, uh, so, I mean, of course, there are like shortcuts, but then there are ways to do like things that wouldn't even have been imaginable back then. Yeah, I'm all for technology. I, I know that I, I've been doing this show now for a while, and I mix everything at home. And, I, you know, I'm not using the latest or the greatest uh, software. But what you can do is amazing. You know, like I have like four or five tracks, I guess the way a DJ would have tracks. And, you know, mess around with voices and manipulate stuff. I, I think it's great. I think it's fun. But just a good performer will, like, translate that to the crowd. So whether you're using turntables or like a iPod or whatever you're using someone who's a good performer will figure out a good a way to get at that across I ah, you know I have to ask this shifty the fist pumping you know <laughs> D- DJs that are you know just pressing play on a pre-recorded mix and they're pumping their fist How, what is it like for a DJ like yourself to just watch this and you just see some guy and you know, maybe good looking maybe cool looking and he's pumping his fist and there are thousands of people like wow like I, if I was a DJ, I'd be like, "Damn, man, come on." I mean, it, I'm not, I'm not mad at it. Person, I just look at it as like something different. It's, it's called DJ, um, but it's you know, it's not the same thing as being like a turntablist or something like that. And it's, I don't know, it's hard to get mad at an audience for liking something that they like. You know, whatever it is, there's some reason those people like that person. Am I personally like enjoying a show like that where it's hitting play and you know throwing? hand hearts and all that no but um i'm not personally one of these guys like oh like all these guys are whack like dj like that's not what i'm saying all i'm saying is that (laughs) all right for someone like myself or dallas who have seen and you're even you who have seen djs do amazing things you know where they're like technically like just doing stuff and their hands are moving and you could see what they're doing Okay, then then you have some guy who's just pressing play and he's pumping his fist. I feel like, you know, maybe the audience, they've never seen what, what you do, Shifty. They've never seen, you know, a Clark Kent or or anything. So they don't they don't have any point of reference. They can't compare it to anything. So I feel like they're being cheated. Well, I'm going to agree with Shifty in the sense that, wait a minute, what's your responsibility as a DJ? You got one responsibility, really. Move the crowd. Move the crowd. So, I mean, these press play, these, you know, those classic iPod DJs, you know, they're still moving the crowd. Um, I can I can be honest with you, too. I would probably want to be really drugged up, you know, for that experience, because I, I, I think that w- what that lacks is it lacks the prepackaging lacks the soul that that real DJing has to have it's it's something intuitive that you you're connecting your soul your soul with hundreds of people maybe thousands of people you know and and you have that metronome you have that beat and and your soul and your heartbeat goes into that beat and it connects with everybody else's heartbeat and i've been in those experiences i've been in those settings and it could be a hip-hop club it could be a house club but that beat drops and everybody's heart is right there in that also as a dj yeah if you're pre-recording something what's pre-recorded is pre-recorded and if if your thing's not working you can't switch out of that yeah i i think part of being a live dj is being able to read a crowd 
you know, all right, this isn't working. Let me let me just quickly jump into this. Yeah, you know, I don't think you have that freedom if something is pre-recorded. No, absolutely. No, yeah, I mean, it's sort of like uh, you know, like in any other kind of art, like in in movies or something like that. Like the action movie that's on its like fifth sequel uh, or whatever the right word is for that. Like that's still going to gross like couple hundred million dollars and then like the weird arty film that was maybe like there's it's deeper and there's more crap that went into it is gonna like make no money um it, it, it's the sort of thing where i think that sort of translates to djing but it's like harder to digest some something with like skill and craft than just like a fist and a lights and loud kicks and yeah all right with all this dj talk i know we brought shifty up here to do one thing Shifty, we need you to shift over to to your turntable setup, and we want our audience to hear the work of a great DJ. You are one of maybe three DJs who have ever come up here. We never really have DJs, so with that, are, are you set up there? Are I think you, so. Uh, all right, let's just see how this works. Where, where's young Naveen out there who uh, is in control of the sound? I don't know how the radio audience is going to see my fist pumps, though. No. I've been practicing. Dallas and I will per- periscope our uh, <laughs> fist pumping in the corner. This is 89.1 FM WMYU. Dallas to the pen is here. DJ Shifty is here. I'm so excited to have both of these guys up here. And now I'm excited to hear some live music. You could call us at 212-998-1818. Give us a call. You can ask Dallas Penn anything you want. Whoa. uh, Giving some signal. All right, here we go. All right. All right, New York City. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to leave this to DJ Shifty, the world famous. I want to thank you for listening. Shifty, tell me when. You ready?
Yo, Dallas, what just happened? That boy good. What just happened? That boy good. You know what, man? That boy shifty. I feel like we just got a $20,000 performance. <laughs> I feel like we really... What is that playing back, Dallas? <laughs> oh, damn, that must be my... Uh... <laughs> yeah, Dallas, I haven't done this in a while. Dallas, are you there? Yeah. Shifty, are you there? Yes. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are now in the auditorium. I am Peter Oasis. Sitting across from me is Dallas Penn. And uh, what you just heard. Explain to people what we just heard, Dallas. DJ Shifty just went in. I'll tell you what, I really enjoyed that set. I really enjoyed that set. Like, yo, I could definitely see uh, um, some wild twerking going on. Like, Peter, you were twerking. Don't not pause. Okay, pause. Twerkalism. Okay, I, I wasn't twerking. But, yo, Shifty, man, that was great. I wanted to applaud you. I wish there was an applaud button. Uh, maybe I'll lick off a shot for you uh, DJ Shifty I can't believe what, what just happened hold on let's lick a shot and we licked off a shot for DJ Shifty that was great I mean that was the best performance I think we've ever had here so that I feel like this show is coming to an end but we really brought out the best of the best we have one of the best uh, if you're just tuning in across from me is Dallas Penn 
legendary uh, internet celebrity, Internets. most important, um, one of the most important people who has uh, documented our culture. And he speaks nicely of it. He was there. He's not only uh, an outsider, he's someone who's lived it. Uh, the, the places he's talking about, the clubs that he's visited, the uh, clothes that he's had. Uh, he's he's lived it. Still has. Still has. Sure. Um, and next to him, we have DJ Shifty, who just came in here and, like I said, gave us a $20,000 performance. Licked shots. You know, you know the sign of a real great DJ when they're going in as if there was a crowd of 20,000 people in front of them. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to paint a picture. There's myself in Dallas, and uh, a few of the kids from the station came in to watch Shifty because they, they couldn't believe what was happening. And you were playing like you were at the stadium. So cheers to you. No fist pumps, though. No. No, 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 Real no. DJ. Real DJ shit went on. Real DJ shit went on. No iPod DJing. Oh, snap, 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 snap. Snap, snap. Did I just get kicked out of here? Did, did you hear that? I just got profane. You Shifty, you just made me get profane. My I, bad, man. I was calm. I was calm, but then I... You're calm. And then I let it slide. Now, what you, what you couldn't see is Shifty's use of what looks like an MPC or some type of drum machine. Is that that MP? It's a machine. A uh, Native Instruments uh, machine. Now, I, I could do something like you do here, but it wouldn't sound the same. I have this uh, routine where I press the, uh, the phone. We'll see it. Okay, it goes... Uh, Two... Now, if we were to put a beat nine, behind that, two, 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 all you need is a two, snare sample, and you're good. Now, now, the way that 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 machine is programmed, when when the pads are lit in a certain color, that that all the uh, all the keys are programmed. When you see that color, you know what every pad is, is going to respond to? Yeah, so I'm using that to control uh, my computer program. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm using it to control Tractor, and it's all a bunch of different functions in Tractor. So I have it mapped, so if it's like blue, I know it's something called cue points. If I know it's yellow, I know it's samples. Um, mm -hmm. So it's all like mapped out with colors so I can control everything under the sun. I, I, I kind of figured that, and I loved it. Thank you. And I'm saying to myself, man, like, dude, you have to know what each key is well i mean you programmed it you programmed it for that but i mean you know just for the layman right here just watching it go down is kind of like it's wild yeah a lot of memory and a lot of uh, planning goes into your set i could imagine a lot of planning and then but um yeah i mean if uh if if you do this for for long enough uh, you can sort of like improvise things that might seem like they're pre-planned um were you yeah. ever out in front of a crowd and something went wrong you hit the wrong button and you got the wrong response uh almost every single set <laughs> yeah uh almost I, I probably messed up every single set um that i've played uh because uh, you know i'm like i'm always trying to take risks and um one of the things i do is if uh, if i make a mistake i'll just repeat it every four bars or eight bars and act like it was on purpose so nothing nothing where people like threw tomatoes at me and like objected and left the building um but i mess up every single set probably nice well dj eclipse just walked in he's about to set up as you know the halftime show, the legendary halftime show, has a huge. Been up here a couple times. You have a huge guest tonight. I heard Eclipse, uh, someone from a Marvel Comics or something like that. Something like that. You have a really big guest appear, and that's the halftime show coming up at ten thirty with DJ Eclipse and the DJ Eclipse gang. That's what I call you guys now, the DJ Eclipse gang. So you know Shifty, 
Eclipse. Yes, of course. How do you not know a world champion DMC uh, DJ? See, Eclipse knows everything, man. <laughs> now, I when, when he walked in, he's like, "Oh, Shifty's here." And I was like, "Yeah." I was like, "You know him?" He's like, "I know every DJ. <laughs> I know them all." DJ. DJ. Hmm. Well, we've had this, you know, Shifty's been a very diplomatic Eclipse because I asked him how he felt about the uh, CD playing, uh, pre-programming, fist-pumping DJ, and he was very kind. He's a good dude. He, you, spe- you, you speak... You speak... Yeah, you speak with your, your hands. Mm. Yes. That's good. Dallas, what are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm tweeting. I'm are Instagramming. I'm Instagram. I'm IGing right now. I'm IGing this moment so that, you know... In case uh, I get hit over the head and lose memory, I'll go back and look on on my Instagram and be like, yes, I remember that night. I was there. You were there. It happened. Yep. What do you have? What do you, Now, I want to bring this up. So Dallas Penn has this great series online. It's called Food Warriors. And uh, Kelly and I uh, watch it at home. Now, Kelly works for the uh, Food Network. And I always tell Kelly, I'm like, yo, Kelly, why don't you talk to some of the higher ups at your uh, network? And maybe push uh, Dallas's show into the rotation somewhere, because it's such a great show. Explain what you do to our audience for those who haven't seen Food Warriors. Uh, Food Warriors is 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 the latest incarnation of the internet celebrities filmmaking crew projects around New York City. Internet celebrities uh, is a little filmmaking crew we founded uh, nine years ago. Uh, myself, Rafi Kam, and and uh, Kazimir Noskowski. And uh, so this Food Warriors project, uh, the idea Kaz gave us was, man, listen, what if we rode the A train from the from the tutor to the rooter, from the top to the bottom? And when we got off uh, at certain stops, we talked to people and found out where was the best place in the vicinity of the train station to eat. And, you know, what would we learn about these neighbors? What would we learn uh, about food just from from doing this project and so it's it's been fun because i mean one you we we're learning about the city again and and even as a lifelong new yorker you know you kind of think you know everything and then you start to find out that you don't know dick okay now now one recent yeah i'm no richard either (laughs) (laughs) you don't you don't know you don't know anything uh about your city yeah. All well, right. Unless you're living in these neighborhoods, and so so people send us to people send us to the to the to the best neighborhood spots. I, I was just telling Shifty earlier, we went and found this pastrami Woo. spot in Bed Stuy, and and my buddy Rafi was like, "Man, listen, uh, West Indians are not going to mess with pastrami," and sure enough, it was West Indians that sent us to the spot. David's House of Brisket. Yeah, that's over there on the uh, on Notion Ave. Yep, Notion Ave between of Atlantic, off of Fulton, in between Atlantic and Herkimer. Yes, to be exact. Yes, yes, off of Fulton, off of Fulton. Great spot. Now, one recent episode, uh, you go to East New York. You go to the Junction, yes. as they call it. Yes, and you uh, exit the Junction, and you're asking around to to 
to no surprise, there's not much there. Sure. Now that people are going to reference that video from for, for years because what's happening now uh, in East New York, there's all this rezoning, and that neighborhood as we know it, the junction as we know it, East New York as we know it, isn't going to be the same. So, if Food Warriors maybe 15 years from now, 10 years, you're going to get off at Broadway Junction, and you're gonna you're there'll be a Whole Foods. <laughs> exactly. Your your options will change. Well, I mean, the other great thing about the project is it's a snapshot of New York right now at this time in 2015. It's a snapshot of the New York, of New York City right now. One of the great uh, uh, films we put in the series was at 125th Street, and 125th Street has this great juxtaposition of old Harlem and new Harlem. Harlem is is under a lot of uh, demographic and economic change. And the people ended up sending us to a classic old Harlem restaurant called Manners, where it's like cafeteria style food, where you basically just you, you get a, a styrofoam tray and you fill it up and it gets weighed, and then you you know you pay what you weigh, and you can eat in or you or you take it home. But we uh you know we ate right in there, we ate in the spot, and um so they have this uh, uh these drink mixes behind the counter, so. We had dude mix uh, lemonade and iced tea. <clears throat> so Raffi goes, oh, yeah, yeah, Arnold Palmer. And the dude behind the counter is like, no, nah, no, nah, we don't do Arnold Palmer here in Harlem. We call it an Uptown or we call it a Carmelo Anthony. And I explained to Raffi why. Arnold Palmer had slaves. Exactly. Okay. Shifty just looked at me straight blank. Arnold Palmer's some golf dude. He didn't have slaves. Not really. <laughs> not, not really. He... he it, in Philadelphia, food. there's a similar drink. I believe they call it a gremlin or a gizmo. Or if, if anyone in the Philadelphia area is listening or anyone who has any knowledge of this, I know that if you go to South Street, they mix a, uh, a pink lemonade with, I believe, something, uh, uh, maybe a, a, a sweet tea. Mm -hmm. And uh, probably the, the unhealthiest thing you could drink. At, but it's so good. It's Philly. It's Philly. It's this so good when you're eating a cheesesteak. I can't believe anyone would go to Philly to try to be vegan or try to, you know, <laughs> try to uh, eat healthy. You go to Philly and you want the cheese whiz. You want the, the, the highest uh, concentration of preservatives and industrialization in your food. My earliest memory of, of eating a cheesesteak in Philly, someone sent me over to Ishka Bibbles down on South Street, and I remember walking in, I swear on my mom, they had a picture, an autographed photo of Pharaoh Monch and Prince Poe on the wall. They had another photo of a natural resource, a Jean Grey and, and whatnot on the wall. And I was like, damn, I was like, you know, we, what restaurant in New York can we walk into and there are pictures of Pharaoh Monch and Jean Grey on the wall. Shifty, I can't remember the last one I've walked into here. That well, uh, strange, strangely enough, that spot in East New York, Poffo's Diner, they, they would put a picture. They would put a picture of Biggie up on the wall. I mean, they had a picture of uh, Michael Jackson, Obama, uh, well, Pharaoh Monch and Obama. Man, that's a well. I mean, I two mean, ends of the spectrum. Man. I mean, if you're in Brooklyn, I mean, but where 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 in New York City you can't walk into a restaurant and you know I, I, I'm sure someone's listening and they're gonna take the idea and one of these hip downtown restaurants are gonna have a picture of I don't know DJ Eclipse and Dallas Penn on the wall. No don't one's, no, one's no. Going in there. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't I don't want to eat in that spot. <laughs> Shifty man, we're talking about all this food. You for some reason you strike me as being a vegan. No. Okay. All right. Let's just get that. For some reason you you keep in good shape, but you're also young. You're I try to eat well, but. 
when presented with cheese whiz, I will I'll, I'll get in there. All right, are, there are there any spots that you could put us up on? Uh, where where is DJ Shifty eating? I like uh, I just I just moved to Park Slope. Okay, there's a spot there called Tall Day. Okay, which is uh, that's uh, Dale Tall Day's spot. Yes, it is. I uh, I guess uh, Pan Asian or yeah, it? sort of like new takes on greasy Asian foods, more or less. Is it great? It's great. Yeah, mm. I know they have Korean a... fried chicken and see that sounds bacon good. pad thai and yeah. There's some you know. Th- I don't know if you eat tacos, but if you sure. have a bike or you're jogging, you're going to want to go out near the, uh, it's in uh, maybe Fifth Avenue and mm, guessing like in the 30s, there's a truck, there's a taco truck there. One of the best in town, I think. Mm. Great. You're going to want to go there. It's not exactly in Park Slope, but it's in the vicinity. It's in the vicinity. I don't know. Dallas and I, before I came here, I went over to, uh, for those who know, who live in the Park Slope area, outside of the uh, 7th Avenue train station, there is a... Prospect Heights. Ugh. Oh, God, the border. Mm-hmm. Outside, outside the Brownstone Billiards, mm-hmm. right there. With Brownstone Billiards being one of the last uh, strongholds of the hood in that area. <laughs> right, right. You, know, you could still see Foxy Brown That's, at the Brownstone Billiards. You, you could certainly see Foxy or, or probably Gavin. Yep. Yeah, They're still there. Yep. But beside the uh, few stores, few stores down, there's a what looks like a deli. It is a deli from the outside, and you go to the back. It's a newsstand from the outside. It's a newsstand. It's a newsstand. Okay, sorry. And, and then you walk into the back, and there is this uh, crazy lunch counter. And there's a greasy spoon, oh. as they call it. And Dallas and I went out maybe about seven years ago, eight years ago. We go out dancing. I take Dallas to a, a loft party and a. Prospect Heights or Crazy Crown Heights Underground Party Dance music We're dancing I, How did you know About that spot I don't know We get so drunk Yeah We're drunk And I'm like I don't know how we walked From Crown Heights Back to, to Flappish Avenue But we get there In the rain In the rain I'm like Dallas <laughs> Let's go And we slide to this counter Behind uh, the uh, newsstand Yeah yep. we, we eat some really Disgusting unhealthy food and we talk and we bond over that disgusting it, food it was delicious it, it was, was delicious and i returned there today i was actually passing through and i went back and i took a photo of the two seats and i showed dallas this where dallas and i had this conversation back then and it still means a lot to me whenever i go in i'm like oh dallas and then shifty it's funny today a friend of mine um his name is ice he works with these uh violin girls and they were playing a show at the uh the new year house uh where you had performed with action and party supplies and uh the great band that night so everything's connected and i was invited out there tonight but i didn't make it that was a good show that was a fun crazy show that was a good one. So here's the deal. So uh, Sonos is like, put together a dream show. And we're like, yo, let's do all this uh, Action Bronson beats, you know, that Party Supplies did. So we did. And we get the DJ and we have members of uh, the Budos band. And it was just a great night. And then Action, of course, jumped on stage. There's no video of it. There's nothing. There are a lot of phones. Yeah. I, I don't think we let anyone mm. take a video. But that was, I think, to me, was one of the greatest Action Bronson shows I've ever seen. It was so alive. Yeah. You know, when when people could pull off that, uh, you know, rap band stuff. Most bands can't play rap beats, I'm going to be honest with you. Because a lot of drummers can't recreate the the really hard rap drums. I mean, Questlove, I think, is the exception. Mm -hmm. Definitely not the rule. He's one of the greatest ever, right? Daru Jones. He He can probably hit it. 
you know, but it, 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 a lot of times uh, we talk about this. Uh, people used to book uh, rap groups, and to and when, like Dallas was saying before, at a point, uh, rap became really rough, and clubs didn't want to mess with it. So, eight booking agents got smart. They were like, okay, we're going to soften the act by uh, pairing a you know hardcore rapper with a band. And out of that trend, you got some really horrible rap <laughs> bands. You know, guys that were thrown together. You know, whether it be like your cousin. Yeah, do you play the drums? I did. You know, and then you have these horrible bands on the road. It was just disgusting. Mm-hmm. Oh, Dallas. Peter. Peter. Yeah. And here we are now. And here we are tonight. Right now. Yeah. No No horrible rap band behind us. Nope. Nope. DJ just, Shifty. Just killing Shifty. It. Killing, killing it. it. Shifty, maybe I, I know. Rock, rocking without a band, right? Remember JMJ, <laughs> rest in peace. Rocking without a band. Mm. Ah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Shifty, your calendar is pretty full. I could imagine that you're on the road probably half the month, if not more. Yeah, it's uh, probably half the year. Wow. Traveling. Yeah. How, how does your girlfriend deal with that? Do you take her out sometimes? She she tours too. Actually, she's in a band with the drummer from that night. Okay. Um, it, that happened all after. That, w- that was our second date, actually, that show. So that, uh, that the action party supplies that, that won her over, I suppose. Um, and now they're coincidentally in a band together. So she tours, too, and is understanding. Nice. Yeah. She knows you got to go out and make that money. Exactly. Money, money, money. Dallas, man, don't you wish you could put a show together and go on the road? Man, listen, I, I did. I did. I, I, I put a show together called The Low End Theory, which was uh, going to be a polo collector's uh, convention, buy, sell, trade, at the first half of the show, and then a concert. You know, Timeless Truth, Mayhem Loren, Rock Marciano, Sean Price, Woo! Buckshot, um, Thurston Howell III. And uh, we did it at Highline, and then two nights later we went to D.C. and did it at the uh, the beautiful Howard Theater. Uh, I lost my shirt, and you 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 came out of pocket. I lost my shirt, but I have many shirts. I have a thousand shirts. Nice. So, and and you're really deep. You're involved with uh, Sneaker Con. I, I'm traveling with Sneaker Con this weekend. I'm I'm out in Atlanta this weekend. So so, what is it like? Are are you a star? Like when you show, are you, you people take photos with you and whatnot? Uh, tons of kids take photos with me. I, I operate SneakerCon's Snapchat feed, so you know tons of thirteen year old, fourteen year old kids who you know love sneakers. Uh, they they love to take take flicks with me. Do you take your collection out on the road? Are you actively selling? I know that on your uh, Instagram feed, you're always I, selling. I take a few pieces with me that I feel like uh, will play to the crowd. Um, some of the stuff that I have is really like, you know, what I've, what, what, here's what you come to learn too. Some of the stuff that you really like, only you like, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, um, but I take stuff out with me. I take stuff out with me that I feel like other people are like Jordan shoes. That's all kids like. They want Jordans, foams, and Yeezys. As a matter of fact, all kids want now are Yeezys. Yeezys, Yeezys, Yo, Yeezys. Speaking of your boy, Yeezy, I saw, I saw, um, I guess today he had some type of fashion show yes, and did. they played a new Kanye cut, which was basically, and this goes, it all comes full circle. It was a house, an old house song, kind of uh, pitched down and looped. Mm. So there you go. I, I think we're going to see a trend now where people are going to dig, you know, kind of grab some 80s and 90s house Why music. Why not? Why not? I mean, he is from Chicago, so it's it's time. Bring some of that Chicago soulful house 
uh, back into the mix, back into people's air holes. There's a wonderful picture that I saw on uh, on Hype Beast today from the uh, Yeezy fashion shop. Shifty, did you see this one? Uh, I'm gonna no, pull it I just, out. No, I just I like the idea. Okay, so here we go. I I look on the hype. I don't really follow the hype beast stuff. I'm a little too old for that. But every now and then, I find out about some cool stuff. They put up this great photo, and in this photo, I'm going to pass around the room. You have the uh, latest and the greatest. Uh, this could be one of the uh, funniest photos I've ever seen in my life. Now uh, I'm going to show Shifty. So you look at this photo uh, actually, I did of the see crowd. This photo. Uh, who do you see? You see uh, Dave and see. Elaine, uh, eight track, and uh, Dave from Chromio. Yes. Uh, Post Malone. Uh, Anna Wintour, mm-hmm. of course, uh, the uh, baby Kanye. What? What? What's North. N- North. North. Northwest. Mm-hmm. Northeast. Northwest. North by Northwest. Uh, who else? Let's see if Dallas can. can Seth you na- Myers, Lord Miguel, Lord, who looks really upset Tiga. to be there. Is that Seth Myers? Looks like him. Yep. Uh, there's a, a Vic Mensa also in the photo. This could be one of the greatest photos I've seen in a long time. It's such an amazing group that I, I would love to uh, party with, Dallas. Imagine going to a party with all these people. Miguel. Yeah, yeah. Well I, well, I mean, this is... Here's the question. This is six degrees of Kylie Jenner, really, in that picture. Kylie, we are all living in Kylie Jenner's world right now. And just understand that and accept that. Okay? Kylie Jenner. Who, who's Our that queen. girl sitting next to A-Track? Is she a celebrity? No. Is that Was that Kylie? Is that? Probably is, Kylie. Oh, wow. Is that her? What we're looking at is this uh, photo. Maybe. Dallas, we're examining the photo. That's one of them. That's, that's either Kylie or Kendall. That might be Kendall. We never get invited to parties like this, Dallas. Yeah, yeah. No, I do. <laughs> oh, you do. I don't. Not me. I don't. I don't take the invites anymore, though. I'm. I'm a homebody right now. Now that I'm. Now that I'm married and I'm, uh, no longer an admitted diabetic, I'm not going to the open bar parties anymore. That's it. It's over. It's over for me. Now I'm gonna go kill myself tonight. Do you have a podcast with your lady? Yeah, we we do a we do a little podcast called the Newlyweds Podcast. Even though we we're more than a year married now, but we're trying to keep that thing new. That seems to be a trend. I know that uh, Elliot and uh, Danielle have a podcast. I think they've had one for a long time. They just don't really care about it that much. Shifty, maybe you and your lady, you and your bae, mm-hmm. should uh, start a podcast. Baycast. Baycast. I, I, I've, I've thought about it, but I don't know where I would uh, record it. Maybe off of my phone. Right. Right. Is it, how, how do you do it, Dallas? I mean, I, a minute to. I have I have a an old MacBook with an outdated operating system, and I use Audacity and and a couple of microphones. Eclipse, actually, what are you doing? Actually, one microphone. Eclipse is climbing on the desk. I I believe oh, Eclipse is doing construction work right now inside the studio. He's making the studio so cool. <laughs> I know he has a huge <laughs> guest coming in. Do you want us to vacuum for you, Eclipse? That would be nice. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, yeah. That I mean, listen. Just me, me and my wife. Uh, you know, talking, talking, talking some crap. Podcasts are such a wave right now, and I knew this. You were uh, early. I knew this before I even got down with the Combat Jack show. I had my own podcast called the Internet Show, and I feel like I broke Das Racist, and uh, I didn't break them, but I feel like I was a, I was a, a great promoter for for Das Racist, for Rock Marciano, for Sean Price. Timeless Truth. I, I mentioned them earlier. Mayhem Loren. You invited me to the uh, Combat Jack show. Yeah. 
There you go. Yeah. And now, yeah. I, I, and now, and now oh, it's not and even now up look, anymore. Now look, the no, the combat jacks are still around. No, my uh, episode was taken off. Was taken down. What? Uh, I downloaded. Luckily, I have it. Hey, uh, wh- where can people find you, Dallas Penn? They can find me on Instagram. Easy enough. Dallas, like the city, underscore P E N N, like Penn Station. Shifty, where can people find you? Most of all, where can people find your routines? Because I, I think if you were listening tonight, you want to see what Shifty does because it's it's visually uh, amazing. It's Certainly great. hear it. So great. DJShifty.com. I'm also playing at Elvis Guest House on September 24th in New York City. And that's over there on Avenue A, I believe. It's a yes. little spot in the little basement. Spot. Yes. Nice. Maybe I'll come down. Yeah, come through. 11 to 4. How do you're playing the whole night. No, no, no. It's a, it's like um, a party for my record label called uh, Hot Mom USA. Hot, hot mil- MILF. Speaking of hot moms, I was telling Kelly real quick, I'm exiting the train at 7th Avenue, and I feel someone looking at me. They were coming uh, you know, from the, uh, the from the uh, Man- from Manhattan side, and uh, I look up, and who is it? It's Maggie Gyllenhaal. She's, uh, we make eye contact. She's checking out my uh, shirt. And uh, we look, and I'm, I at first I was like, "You look really familiar," and then I realized who it was, and I was like, "Well, of course you look familiar. You're Maggie Jackson." Oh.